Okay, we're good. Welcome everybody to the Safina Saadi, nothing but facts, live stream on this Monday morning, the 14th of March, and I just came back from Michigan to one day ago, and that community is really, they were really nice, uh, you guys got to check out Michigan, uh, Detroit, Dearborn, so Dearborn is a city right next to Detroit, it's uh, bordering with Detroit. And then Ford, back in the 50s, they were getting stuff supplies from China. And they needed, I guess, cheap labor, but that spoke English. So the cheapest labor on the way that spoke English was Yemen because the British had colonized Yemen. So I think the Yemenis had a clue about English, enough to work, right? Uh, to hammer and screw and stuff like that on the on the factory yeah, assembly line. Read the instructions. Then. Maybe read the instructions or see the instructions. <laughs> so they did that, right? And then I think they made it really easy for them to bring in the relatives. So they kept bringing in the relatives. And then the whole Michigan Avenue now and all of Dearborn, it's all people from Yemen, right? Rada, Beyla, all different cities within Yemen, Sana'a, all sorts of cities, uh, you know, people from Yemen working in Ford, and they still work in Ford till now, right? And they work, a lot of them work now in like the more management level positions. For example, my host, he's a project manager, right? For uh, the traffic app that they have for Ford. See, Ford is one company I would love to rebrand completely. Like they got the best truck, the absolute best truck, and the worst everything else. Right? <laughs> everything else is trash, but they got the best truck. So I would say, take all your trash, put it under another label, like create a label, some other junk old brand, right? Put your escorts and your whatever stuff in there, right? Am I right or wrong? Ford Escort. It, yeah. That's what it's called, right? The Escort? It's trash, right? All their other cars are not eye-popping cars. Put them under another label. You still make money from them, but it doesn't ruin your brand. Then you have to change that terrible blue old-fashioned brand, and you got to make it like Block letters, gray on black. And your F-150 is your car, right? And then it's got a, your brand becomes this mean truck, right? That's your brand. And then everything goes from there. Then you make like, let's say an SUV version of it, right? Yeah. For the moms, like okay. for the rich wives, right? You make your, that's that's how you're gonna do it. But there, they're a company now that the innovator, obviously Henry Ford, he's dead. All you have now is a bunch of people in my opinion that just want to make sure that it's safe. Everything is safe. They'd rather be safe than to transform anything or have any guts to do anything that they believe in. That's why it's a lame old company, right? In my opinion, if you ask me. Yeah, they make a lot of money, but it's lame. There's no excitement, right, about the company. So anyway, but everything is Ford. You go to Dearborn, Ford High School. Ford, um, what, uh, even the, whatever. There's a, a place that fixes cars, Ford. They sponsor everything. They sponsor the whole town. Right, the Everything is sponsored by Ford when you get there, when you go to Michigan Avenue. But there I went and I said, I saw um, some amazing cafes because the Yemeni culture, it's essentially their biggest cultural you know, thing is coffee, right? And some say that they started, they, they was discovered in Yemen. Some say it was discovered in Habsha, Ethiopia, but it was Yemenis who brought it over and popularized. Okay, so there's competing 
stories on who actually where the first coffee bean was. But because of that history, it's linked. Coffee's linked to Yemen, right? And so they have two or three cafes. Haraz Cafe was the best, right? The design of this place. It's like curated. It's like a museum because they've got all information like like when did it first come to america when did it first go to europe what's the origin what's the story then the picture of the dude who discovered this that or the other right and then uh every inch of that place is designer right and a unique design all related to coffee though all right coffee and the honeycomb image because they also serve a yemeni dish like it's it's like um honeycomb shape but bread filled with cream and covered with honey and sesame, right? So the honeycomb is also part of the theme. So, and there was that one. Then there was Kahwa House, which is the big deal, but Haraz is better. <laughs> no doubt about it. Kahwa House is the big deal, right? So he's got three. He's got one in Brooklyn, the big one on Michigan Ave. The location is better than Haraz's location, right? The location is amazing for Kahwa House. But when I get there, it's, a, it's an A, but Haraz is an A+. Plus. And then he's opening, Kahua House is opening in Brooklyn. Been there? Um, I'm thinking of Yemen Cafe. There's one called Hadramaut on Atlantic Avenue. The two of them. Hadramaut is the food. Yeah, yeah, that's the food. Yemen Cafe is coffee or food? I think it's both. Yeah, well, he's opening up Kahua House. Yeah. So uh, it's an A, but Haraz is an A. Then there was another place that, um, there was another place, to be honest, it was Miskin. And he's going to go out under, I think, because it's just, it, it wasn't working. The, the style, everything wasn't working. But then the third place was not Muslimon, but a lot of people go to, the fourth place I went to. It wasn't Muslimon, but it was working. It was the best in terms of it was big. It had food. That's the difference. This place was called the the Great Commoner or something like that. Some weird name. May, name that makes no sense. No brand. They called the Great Commoner or something like that. But the place, it looks great. And the difference was it was a coffee shop, but it had food. And had a big chill space and a meeting space even in the back. So it's a different model. And that place was popping. All of them were popping, right? Kahu House was popping. Raz was popping. The Great Commoner was the most popping because they have food. So you have to look at it. Do you put food in a coffee shop or not? If so, how much? And the Great Commoner had a better chill spot. So it had a more relaxed seating in the back. Like you want to have coffee and go, you could. You want to sit and eat and have coffee, you could. You want to just actually sit for like two hours and have a meeting or talk to somebody. There's a couch area in the back, and there's also a glassed-off uh, area where there's a nice meeting table. Not like corporate-looking, like a cool-looking meeting table that you can actually shut the door and have a private meeting, and you rent that place out. That's the most, and also it had the best location too. It was a corner spot right popping location so that's basically what i did and the reason i did all that is because i actually we got blizzarded in and the there was some winds and stuff and we had a lot of cancellations i wanted to meet sheikh abdul karim yahya but it was so um it was an unpredictable moment because it was like you got a half hour delay then you got a five hour delay then you got another half hour delay so i'm like back and forth to the airport like three times yeah. right and so i couldn't really you know, meet anybody, but I could, I had enough time to go check out these little spots because there's no, you'd have to make an appointment. Right. So Abdul Karim Yahya, he has daughter Rahma. If anyone's out in Michigan, um, I didn't check it out, but I want to check it out. Right. I wanted to see 
I want to meet him and see. And he has right next to the main masjid there, which is called, uh, they call it the IDC. I'm, I hate these acronyms, right? <laughs> they call it Islamic Center of Detroit, ICD or something like that. Uh, but it's basically uh, a, a huge strip mall that they bought and they put in the masjid and they put the Islamic school, right? And they have an industrial kitchen where they feed tons of people. They have a men's musallah, a woman's masala, an auditorium. I mean, they got everything, right? So they did a good job. So, and most importantly, the hosts there, the guys, the, the Yemeni people, I would say the Yemeni and the Sudanese are from the most easygoing, no takalluf. Takalluf is like formality, right? Like if you were invited to, let's say, by let's say other cultures, they're known for their formality. They have a reason for being formal, right? And sometimes the reason for being formal is that you have your your geographic location is a place many people want to conquer or make money off of. So you don't assume the best from people. You assume people are coming for a reason. Amongst them, the Syrians, right? There's they're formal for a reason. The Romans they were in there, then the Persians probably want a piece of that. Everyone wants a piece of that, right? So they have formality for a reason. They don't trust everybody. Okay. Uh, then you got peace place like Yemen. No one's coming for a malicious intent. There's nothing to take, right? If you were a thief, you would pass up on Yemen, right? <laughs> all the greats, Alexander the Great, they all passed up on the Arabian Peninsula. There's nothing there. So why would you need to be formal, right? There's no one stealing anything from us, right? So they were completely informal. And they were com completely, there's no pretension when you deal with the Yemeni people. So that's why I had a great time. And the event was, I think, I think the event went well. From my perspective, it went well. And so if you ever are traveling through, you got to go to Dearborn, check out Michigan Avenue and try check out the spots there and the events there. And the only teacher that I saw or that I heard of who's teaching Aqidah and Fiqh and doing dhikr is Shaykh Abdul Karim Yahya. Then they have another veteran. He's like, he's their don. Their, their imam is Sheikh Al-Masmari. Like he's the one who's put in his whole life for that community. Right. And he's somebody who's he's the real deal. Um, like I've never met him. I've never even heard his lecture. But when you hear someone's name and people vouching, like he's he's there, he's always helping us. That's all I know, right? So from that perspective, it's impressive when you see someone 20, 30 years, I think he's been there, right? Doing his thing. And may Allah reward him and continue him. So I wanted to meet him, but he was away too. Anyway, next stop is in two weeks, Tampa, right? Now Tampa, of course, is going to have the weather, but... We'll see what else it has. All right, today, <laughs> Suhaib, you want to put in anything before we start? Uh, no, just gonna... take me to Tampa with you, man. Uh, I'm ready Tampa. for the weather, yeah. Oh, you, you come with us. Book the flight. Yeah. I'll ask ask uh, Uthman where he booked the flight. We'll lead you. Come with us, too. Get some sun before you go to Seattle. <laughs> right? yeah. Everyone can come to Tampa. Right? Get some sun. We're only staying from Friday morning, leaving Saturday morning. All right, here we go, which is the purpose of this live stream is to dive every Monday into the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a very brief examination of certain reasons why revelation was revealed. And then we study that revelation. And then Monday is the only day of open QA. Tuesday's talk is going to be on uh, Sakina. Wednesday's stream is going to be Muslim affairs. Thursday's stream is going to be about the Nisra Shaban, the second half of that book. And... Mr. Shaban is that night too. Yeah. 
So that's our schedule. So if you have any open QA, this is the only day you could do it. Otherwise, it's the thematic QA. All right, here we go. Surat Al-Ma'oon. Ara'ayta alladhi yukadzibu biddeen. Fadhalika alladhi yadu'u al-yateem wa la yahudu ala ta'amin miskeen. This surah is about some of the enemies of the truth and how you can identify some of the enemies of the truth. Okay, is that those who are lying about the truth, they also have other characteristics. Amongst them, cruelty of heart. All right, so it's talking specifically about the enemies of the Prophet because not everyone who is against Islam or not a Muslim is necessarily the same level of kufr. So we know kufr is kufr, right? But not all the levels of kufr is the same. If you are in the presence of the Messenger of Allah, your kufr is at another level than if you just read about Islam in a book and say, uh, uh, no, thank you, right? So that kufr, they're both kufr, but they're at a different level. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the believers, when you look at the enemies of the Prophet, don't just look at their position vis-a-vis -vis the Prophet. Look at their entire character, and you will see they're cruel-hearted. What's the sign of their cruel-hearted? They do nothing for the most vulnerable person in the society is the orphan. At that time, and maybe even today, I would say even at all times, the orphan is the most vulnerable person in society. Like your number one person that's supposed to care for you, that's supposed to love you, that's supposed to physically take care of you, protect you and feed you, and clothe you and educate you, is your parents. When a person doesn't have a parent, or they have an absentee parent, or they have uh, just a parent who's not good at being a parent, that person suffers the rest of his life. They suffer from habits that they're not taught to weed out, and those habits bother everybody else. But nobody else has to care, right? Nobody else has to care. So the first thing is that when you have a bad habit, your parent has to weed it out from you. Let's say you, you eat poorly, you wash, you don't wash right, your, your hygiene is bad, or your, your way that you eat is, is bad, or the way that you talk, you interrupt everybody, or you talk too loud. That person, your parents can weed that out. Unfortunately, today, many parents are afraid of their kids. That's a problem, right? So secondly, if your parent doesn't weed that out, all right, then other people, they're going to talk about you behind your back. And on top of that, they also don't care enough to tell you. So they're just going to talk behind your back and they'll cut you off. No one's going to tell you the truth like your parent. And the reason is, Allah has attached the child's the parents' reputation to the parents. To the there's a reason for that attachment. But when Allah Ta'ala attaches, when you feel there's a selfish nature of why a parent fixes his kid, right? It's because that reflects badly on me too. So I care about you. I also care about me, right? But that's the incentive and the motive, motivation to change your kid. Because if you're not altruistic enough or charitable enough to care about your kid, at least care about yourself. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's how Allah gets parents to fix their kids. Because if you're not good enough at taking care of the amana, the trust that Allah gave you, at least care about your own reputation, which is not that great, but at least it's a motivation for you to do the right thing. So, do you think it's uh, it's time to announce the Safina Society parenting class? The parenting operation? Well, it's sort of for kids, and there is parenting involved. There were so one of our initiatives that's down the road and hopefully you know not too far down the road is an entire silo i learned all this terminology from us <laughs> right? it's an entire silo 
and also there's a brother named Ali Qabban, right? Maybe he doesn't want me to mention his name, so I won't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's educated me a lot on this and showed me how important it is this segment. And there, there is a, a, a husband and wife, alhamdulillah, that are helping me with this too. Okay, they're 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 in Virginia, so it's going to be a whole silo dedicated to children and parenting with blogs courses classes everything right related to this subject because it's so important this is the root of society and what our organization is called safina society it's about the society right so what is the foundation of the society the individual well how does an individual exist with a family so that has to we have to put emphasis on this and how many people have Tons of hours studying their profession, but zero hours studying how to be a parent. How does it make sense, right? Or how to be a husband, how to be a wife. So all that field is something that we want to go into. So Allah is describing these people. Look at the entire character trait of somebody, not just their position on one thing, right? And it says, look at the, have you seen the people who are lying about the prophet? Yeah, so in general, Kufar in general, but in specific, those who are aggressive against the Messenger People who are faithless, why would they, what would move them in mass to take care of the weak? And that's true that you're going to have a guy every once in a while who has no faith, but he's very charitable. Is that the exception or the norm of atheists, let's say, of Kufar? Is it the exception or the norm? Right. I wanted to do a cross section, like yeah. a sociological analysis. Yeah. Let's just look at people's uh, charitable like donations. Yeah. Yeah. Who has more re like religious uh, believing people or or otherwise? I wish you could sit here, but it's too late because yeah. <laughs> this uh, this lamp is always I got to fix my glasses. I got to get glare free glasses. Yeah. Or you could if you put it on that side, because I'm always looking at him. So but if you don't if you can't move it, you don't have to either. Yeah. What, yeah. So what was it? What's the result? No, I said I wanted to do oh, it. I, wanted to. It I know the results. <laughs> I need already. some funding. Oh, I know the results already. Yeah, I know we know the results. The, result. the, the Christians, <laughs> the Christians, and the Muslims are the most charitable two groups. Yeah, the Catholics are good. Yeah, I don't see where uh, uh, the other like, uh, you know, I can't imagine. Is there even a category? You're going to put atheists as a category, and then look yeah. at their charitable donations. Even right? if, even when they do, half the time it's like out of politics. Like if they're in, cancel those, right? Yeah. Because real charity is seeking out the poor and giving even when you have a need. Yeah. That's the real levels of charity, right? So they have no heart. I'm not saying all atheists have no heart. I'm saying in general, this verse is saying the general quality, specific to the enemies of the Prophet in Mecca, but in general, they abandon the, 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 most, the weakest link. They don't encourage or they're not involved in charity work. Okay. Now it shifts to the second enemy of the Prophet, the hypocrites of Yathrib, of Medina. Right? The hypocrites of Medina. So woe to the people who pray, but not everyone who prays, obviously. Those who are they're forgetful on purpose about the prayer. Not in the prayer, but in doing the prayer. So who does this talk about? The hypocrites. They had no interest in the prayers where they won't be seen. And that's why, what's the remedy for ikhlas? If you want to have sincerity in your heart, the remedy for ikhlas is do ibadah in secret. 
private ibadah. If the only good deeds that someone does are public, that's really bad, right? Is that a, an additional reason? Uh, because they, they were only interested in the prayers that they wanted to be seen. Correct. So we know also that uh, one of the characteristics of the Munafiqun was that they didn't go to Fajr and Asha. No point. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Not only is it tiring, but uh, also it's dark. They didn't have, it wasn't illuminated, the mosque then. Yeah, so no one's going to see your face. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no one's going to see your face uh, uh, in Fajr and Asha. So that they didn't go to Fajr and Asha for that reason. No one's going to see them there. But then also, they would be present at all risk-free public events. Mm. But as soon as it got risky, like the Battle of Uhud, the Munafiqeen said, no, no, this is a bad idea. Let's all go home. But the Prophet, the Quran tells us, Some of you listen to them. There are very innocent, good Muslims out there, but they listen to the hypocrites. They don't know the difference. They don't know the difference between a sincere person and a hypocrite. So 300 Muslims went back. Some of them were munafiq and some of them were most most of them were not. They were just they were part of that tribe. They listened to their tribal leader and they were influenced by a hypocrite. And how many of times has that happened in the Ummah? Where a munafiq starts out with something, but he sways innocent people and ruins it for them. So that's the problem with munafiqeen. That's why we are meant to, to fight against that stuff because they're gonna harm many innocent people. And today it's all ideological. Yeah. Like they're different ideologies. And the Munafiq always sides when there's a conflict between the Muslims and otherwise, some other group. The Munafiq, he, it's all about the word nafaka. And that is, nafaka is not just paying. It, the one meaning of it is the amount that money that you pay to take care of someone. The other meaning of it, it's a tunnel, right? It's a tunnel between two things. They have to have a tunnel. Because they, they are scared by nature, creatures by nature. Their essence is that they're scared. Okay. So instead of taking their fear to Allah Ta'ala, they don't believe properly in Allah. So they don't take their fear to Allah. Because then you would just be a believing coward. You're a believer still. The Prophet was asked, can a coward be a believer? He said yes. So they what they want to do is seek help from the worldly sources. So if the Muslims look like they're winning... They go and they make sure that you all know that I'm one of you. That's why in the Quran says, the munafiqeen say, Oh, Master of Allah, we believe in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Why would you need to say that? You took shahada like 10 years ago, right? Who cares, right? What, why are you saying that? Because they had negated it previously. They took the shahada with the Prophet, and every few months, out loud in front of everyone, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Wait, why are you saying that? It's because subconsciously they know that they contradicted it they went to the mushrikeen of Quraysh or to the Yahud of Yathrib and they plotted against the Prophet and the Muslims right so they feel subconsciously they need to remind everyone no we are Muslims still because they negated their Islam and Cordolo is the Munafiq in Erturul he's the Munafiq yeah. character he will side with the Christians if necessary I don't know if the Mongols yet had come onto the show or not but he goes on both sides okay he goes on both sides. And so that's what the munafiq does. The nafaqa is a tunnel, underground tunnel, unseen. So they only pray because they need to be seen praying. Now this is a nifaq al-akbar. This is the greater nifaq, which is mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah. But the lesser nifaq can affect all of us. And that is, we have no doubt about our deen, but we may preach something and do the opposite. That's a lesser nifaq, and that's this just it's categorized as sins. 
Reason being is because Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, O you who believe. Why do you Why do you say what you don't do? Right? So he calls them believers. They say what they don't do. So uh that hypocrisy, we all may have some of that. But uh that major hypocrisy of Surah Al-Baqarah is the hypocrisy of someone he is not even a mu'min. He's just playing both sides because he doesn't know where to go. And so regarding the salah, it says, An salatihim sahun. Regarding the prayer itself, they may do some and not do others. But that's why it's every tafsir will mention that they praise Allah that Allah did not say fi salatihim sahun in their prayer, they're forgetful. That's forgivable. That's not hypocrisy. That means in the prayer itself, I even may have just accidentally forgot to pray, or in the prayer itself, my mind wandered. Right? Shaitan came and reminded me of my dunya, my affairs. This is actually a trick. If you want to remember something that you couldn't remember, if you want to unlock, you know, a math equation and homework that you couldn't do, get off, make wudu, pray two rakas. Right? The mental block will go because Shaitan would rather tell you, right, what you forgot of your dunya than to have you pray two rakas. It's a famous thing, right? That was uh, Abu Hanifa's fatwa, right? Fatwa. Abu Hanifa said that? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, there's a man who lost, uh, lost a bag of gold. He said, go pray to Rakat. Yeah. And while he was yeah. praying, he remembered where it was. Right he, came, he came back. He said, how did you know? Yeah. <laughs> he said, subhanAllah. Yesterday, Shaitan would not want you to pray. So he'd rather you uh, remember where your money is or where your wallet is. So, uh, what's the proof that it's not about forgetfulness in salah? Is this has nothing to do with sahu that we know in fiqh of forgetting in salah because it happened to the Messenger and it happened so that he could teach us. So, the Prophet said, I only forget or I'm made to forget so that I could set a sunnah, an example. Okay. So they're So he's saying here that their real motive is riya. Riya is not showing off your car or your home or your clothes. That's bad manners, maybe maximum. Riya is doing an act of worship so that other people could say you're a good Muslim. Okay, but there's also another type that is not considered riya where you would be embarrassed to be seen doing something makruh or even haram or not fulfilling the sunnah that's not riya if the original intent and imam Madik talks about this if the original intent is ikhlas right let's say i'm, I'm i have an original intent to go and pray aisha in the masjid i go pray aisha in the masjid then i'm about to leave then wait everyone's praying the sunnah it's not good character to abandon the sunnah. Well, let's say they have, was we in Maliki, we don't have a sunnah after Aisha anyway, but let's say hypothetically. So you say, okay, well, I'm going to pray. That's not riya. That's a good shame, right? That's a good peer pressure. So that's, you shouldn't confuse those two. He then says, Should a person, if someone has riya in their heart and, and is worrying, am I praying for Allah's sake or for the people's sake? Or am I doing charity for Allah's sake or the people's sake? Am I doing this stuff? For, for, why am I doing this? Maybe I'm doing it for sh for showing off a riya, so I shouldn't do it, that you shouldn't do that. If you don't do it, 
Iblis has won. He's convinced you not to do it. So you have to do it and fight the potential of Riyadh. That's the answer in our Sharia. You in the Suluk, you do the good deed and you fight the possibility of doing Riyadh. Uh, Oz, you have anything to say? So that is a quick summary on Surat Al Ma'un. Oh, we actually skipped Al Kothar, right? Yeah, we should have no, done we it. Kothar. We did Kothar last yeah. week. Okay. So we did Ma'un, and now we are on Quraysh. Tomorrow will be Surat Quraysh, or not, not tomorrow, but next week will be Surat Quraysh. And let's go to Siyuti's as Bab Nuzul, really quickly read what he said about Surat Al Ma'un. He only cites one hadith that. قال نزلت في المنافقين كانوا يراؤون المؤمنين بصلاتهم إذا حضروا ويتركونها إذا غابوا ويمنعهم العارية. So the munafiqeen they used to just pray uh, when they would be seen by the mu'mineen. All right, so we're now shifting to open QA with everybody here. Today's the only day we do open QA. So if you have something, bring it. All right, let's. Go now to that. Here we go. All right, open QA. We have a question here. Let's hear it. Ali says, Can we read from the fortune cookies? Can we read fortune <laughs> cookies? It's a good question. Comes up a lot. Yeah, some of these fortune cookies just tell you a nice Chinese wisdom. That's fine. All <laughs> right. But if they're telling you what the future holds, then the answer is no, we're not allowed to read that. So, hey, can you see what that phone says? Oh, it, it no, was scrolled up close. Uh, by the way, if you put questions in Instagram, I can't see. I didn't see them because my my iPad wasn't open. So, put the QA in the box. Copy and paste your question and answer in the box. Let's take the first question. Here is from Muna A. She says, "Is there any dispensation for women to travel without a mahram for studying?" In the four madhabs, they I, in the four madhabs, the Hanafis. According to Mufti Niaz, he did say that if it's a large group of women and it's safe, then there is a ruhsa for that. Okay. There is a ruhsa for that. And then the Shafi'iya, they have something where they separate between the travel and the stay. Right? And some of the contemporary Shiyu have said that it's all about safety. The question is actually about safety of travel. So if there's safety then that changes things. The, the illa there is safety. However, from what I have remembered, well, what I definitely know in the medical school, the, 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 the dominant opinion is that a mahram is needed in the traveling portion. for right. And then as for if she stays there, then uh, there is mahram. There are also certain, you know, let's say her aunt is there, right? Yeah. But... Uh, so her aunt wouldn't like be a mahram because another woman, but if she's staying or her staying with her grandmother or something like that, because there are cases where a woman lives alone, right? So, um, so I, I but though, and that these are fatawa, fatawa, and fatawa is not a ruling, but there are fatawa that 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 she may do that. However, I can't not tell you that that's the ruling, right? It's fatawa, and there's rulings, even uh, some of the big Mauritanian muftis. Have said the illa of the hadith is on travel has a illa and that illa is um, safety. 
So, but it has to have a need. And then now you come to the question of how long. Why? Because uh, even still, when it's even if it's like there's police, there's it's, things are in public. Like you're 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 not traveling alone in the dark anymore. But there still may be some harm, right? And it's not, still not something that we can just throw it all out and say, yeah, because it's all public and there's police and there's security guards, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's the basically non answer to the question because i basically <laughs> told you there's the ruling says has to be a mahram and then there's some fatah that discuss it but i don't know the shafi and hanafi opinions on this day i know about the travel but the stay is something else so maybe we should look that up uh and get comments from the different madahib scholars of different methods and then we can present it properly you want to do that research uh so yeah sure okay please and then you can come on tomorrow and, and talk about it if or anytime that you're here is it correct that the middle tashahud in salah is optional? No. That means you're you can only be forgiven it if you forget it. You cannot intentionally leave it out. Remember, the Sunan Mu'akkada of Sahu, uh, uh, the eight Sunan Mu'akkada of uh, are if you forget these things, then you can make it up with two sujood afterwards. Okay. Out loud, silent. What's out loud has to be out loud. What's silent has to be silent. The surah, the sitting for the taslim, the first, the two tashahuds, and the takbir and the tahmid. Saying Allahu Akbar and Sami Allahu Muhammad. Minus, of course, the first takbir is fart. These are the eight sunnah mu'akadah. If you forget them, then you may make up, but you cannot intentionally omit it. Na'id official says, advice for someone trying to study Islamic knowledge and with what mindset should we study? The winner's mindset, right? The successful mindset. You should study with the mindset of slow and steady wins the race. Right? Slow and steady wins the race. Don't try to just rush it. Go slow and steady. Pick a curriculum and be stable. Be a stable person, right? Which means you pick a curriculum. You stick to that curriculum, right? The, the best curriculum is the one you finish. The best the best book is the one you finish. Okay. Ryan, you're up. Okay, our brother Khalil is asking for a dua request for his family. He said it's not without reason that he's asking. Dua requests for his family. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them protection and make them and push away all of the sources of harm and anyone who may do harm to them and recite the Orad morning and evening at uh, sufinsited.org backslash weird. We've put them up there for you. Lowercase weird, W-I-R-D, lowercase. Um, the Orad will be a protection for you from shayateen al-insi wal jinn. People are so obsessed with jinn, shayateen al-insi are worse. Yeah. Um, Ryan, next question. What is our rulings? What are the rulings on intersex persons? Can they marry? An intersex person, can they marry? The intersex person, if they are unknown what gender they are, they cannot, or for example, they don't have any genitalia or genital organs, they cannot marry because it's not known whether they're male or female. Yeah. But if somebody is a male, but he has the other organ, I want to double check before I say anything. Like if they, if one dom, organ dominates such that he urinates as a man does, right? 
but he has both organs. Then I have to double check. Uh, uh, but I do know for sure that if he has no organs, and it happens, they used to die young, but today medical advancements have allowed them because their bladder would burst, right? Uh, but there is a type that has no sexual organs, uh, and that person cannot marry, and they cannot lead the prayer. But they will choose a gender and live by that for the rest of their life. They choose male or female and live by that in, uh, for the rest of their lives, but they cannot marry. Um, so Noura Abdussalam or Noura Abdussalus she says, what is stability? Stability means that you pick a curriculum. Let's say I'm going to study the Shafi Madhab. That's a curriculum. You stick with that book. One book, next book, next book, next book. You don't go jump in. Oh, I'm tired of this. Let me study this, something else. You get tired, you get bored. It doesn't work like that. You never advance in anything if you just get bored quickly and say, I oh, forget, I'm not going to do it. Stability means for years you've been on one track. And you're going to finish it. That's what I consider stability in our studies. Rather than someone switching, all that stuff. Nura Adusalus, you blocked me quick. No, we didn't block her. Maybe someone else did, but not us. <laughs> uh, we did not block anybody. Mustafa Briggs. I met Mustafa Briggs, by the way. We actually should have him on the podcast for his book one of these days. Hey, Ryan, what do you think of that? Uh, he has a book. Okay. So Mustafa Briggs, I met him in Detroit. Because we both got snowed out and both of our flights were canceled. So we got to have him on for the book. All right. Inshallah. Maybe we can. Can you please somebody can uh, uh, arrange that for us. Inshallah. And we'll we'll talk about his book. That would be a nice thing for Muslim affairs. Maybe Wednesday. Inshallah. Mora Blanco says. Salat al-Nariya. Which is the best? Salat al-Nariya. Salat tunjina Salat al-Fatih. So what is he talking about? So some people might not know. Allahumma salli salatan kamila wa sallim salaman taman ala Sayyidina Muhammad alladhi tanhalu bilaqaz nifarij bilkurab tuqda bilhawaij wa tunhalu bilraqaib wa husnul khawatim wa yisisqa al-ghamabu wa jil-kareem wa ala ali wa sahbihi. It's called salat al-nariya. Why? It burns your problems. Literates. Check it. And then salat tunjina. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad Oh, uh, Muhammad. That's Salat Tunjina because Tunajina or Tunjina. Like Tunjina is the quick way, but it's technically Tunajina. Okay? Tunajina. And then Salat al-Fatih, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad, al-Fatih lima ughliq, wal-khatim lima sabaq, nasir al-haqq bil-haqq, wal-hadi ila salatik al-mustaqeem, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi haqqa qadri miqdari al-azim. Some people said that that's originally with Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib. And then it was Imam al-Tijani who made it popular. But it's in Dala'u Khairat who is before Imam al-Tijani. Sayyidina Imam al-Tijani, he's the one who made this very popular. Right. So these are three salawats that have combined salah with dua. Some people say, are we allowed to do that? Wait, you're making dua. That's all it is. It's a dua. You are making dua for these things. And you've mingled it with Salah on the Prophet. So there I can't I can't uh uh say which is best. All of them are best. I think the one that touches your heart is the most effective for you. That's what's important. Um 
this Naela official is basically saying, where did you get this hat? But that's I'm saying this. I'm actually answering this because I'm hoping someone out there could actually reproduce it for us because I do have a design a designer who sews it. But she's like getting delayed. She's tired. She doesn't want to do it anymore. I need someone to make this. I want someone to make it hard too. Like the shape, but you know those fez caps? Yeah. Those felty ones? I want someone to make this, but hard, like one piece rather than soft. Custom made, yeah. Imran Nasim says, How is Nisr Shaman commemorated in various parts of the Islamic world in current times? It should only be basically dua, dhikr, and istighfar. Any way, shape, and form of dua, dhikr, and istighfar. And it's coming March 17th, Thursday night. So you have to have your mind ready to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to believe what you ask on that night is what's going to happen. Inshallah ta'ala. Ryan, you're up. This is a statement, but we'll answer it. Okay. Beard shorter than fistful of sin. No. <laughs> is the beard shorter than a fist length? Is it sinful? And the answer is no. In the uh, uh, medic opinion, it, it, I've read in the books and I've discussed with the scholars that there are two opinions. There is one opinion where medic obligates the beard and it's the, that's the fist length, but no longer. It should not be longer than the fist length, right? And then the other statement says it's what Qadir statement, whatever is called a beard. And maximum of fist length, any more than fist length is makruh, it's like showing off. Is the fist length, does it start at the bottom of the chin or on? How you grab your fit, your beard, right? How you grab your beard. So you grab your beard and cut. Who did this first? Ibn Omar, Abdullah ibn Omar, grab and cut. That's it. Adizman says, what is the best way for my dua to get answered? It is to pray with absolute certainty, but with absolute poverty. Allah says, charity is given to the poor. If you want Allah to give you charity, right? You have to be faqir. Also, Allah always answers, is it not he who answers the desperate when he prays? You have to have desperation. That's the real key. And you have to then seek out the blessed times and places. Okay. Seek out the blessed times and places, but you have to have desperation and you have to have fervor. So your dua could pierce through the heavens. The car aristocrat, that's his name, and he's got like an orange sports car here. He says, <laughs> if we come across a scene of fortune-telling in fictional TV show and watch that portion, are we sinful? Is this uh, Gabriel Shaban? I think it's Gabriel Shaban. It might be Gabriel Shaban. Uh, are you sinful if you watch something sinful? Well, technically... I believe you are, right? If you intentionally watching something sinful to do, then yes, we should not watch something that works is sinful to do, right? Technically, that's the answer. Is it safe to say Salah on the Prophet Sallallahu on all humanity was sent as a mercy to to the world? Uh, is it safe to say that Salawat on the Prophet is like sending blessings on all humanity since he was sent as a mercy to all? The Prophet Sallallahu was sent as a mercy to all. And all people benefit from the, the town or the place or the home in which Salah on the Prophet occurs because that Rahmah is coming down. Because the Prophet said, Allah gives and I distribute. Okay. Allah is the Mu'ati, right? Okay. Uh, and I am the distributor. Okay. Allah gives and I distribute. So, Allah gives Salah from Allah to the Prophet is 
is imdad to the messenger. Peace be upon him. Imdad. What is imdad? Is giving sustenance, nourishment of what kind? All kinds. All kinds of rahmats, mercies, and blessings. And our salah on the Prophet is pulling that down. Who then, whoever we interact with, right, will also have a share in those blessings. Because okay? the blessing comes on you, it's almost like wealth. If if a, if a person in the town gets rich, everyone else gets rich because that is going to buy stuff, right? Mm. So likewise, when rahmats come down on a person, whoever interacts with that person will 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 get a benefit from that. And that's what's the proof of that is in the Quran. It says, Who's better, the one who is dead or the one who we gave him life, which means spiritual life, the life of his heart. And he walks, and we gave him light, and he walks with that light into the people. So by interacting, it's about Sayyidina Umar and everyone else who's like, uh, who has light in their heart. By interacting with these people, they benefit, right? So but they have to, their heart has to be willing to accept it, right? Misbah Salaria says, Can, is it permissible to write the meaning of the different surahs of the Quran while we are reading it? Um, to write tafsir, I guess, meaning of the different surahs of the Quran, while, to write tafsir while reading it, the double task, right? <laughs> I guess she means, she means, or he means, to Misbah as a guy. He means to double task. We shouldn't double task with the Quran unless it's another type of Quran. Like what is what double tasking with the Quran? The only double tasking with the Quran that's permitted that I've seen the Shiuch do is recite their own juz while taking tasmiyah from the students. So so Qari Zahid, for example, in our Hibs Academy, he has three, four students reciting their surahs and he's reciting his own juz. Right? That's a double. Otherwise, the Quran says, the Quran. And then another ayah, if the Quran is recited, seek refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another ayah, listen. Okay. What about um, if you're memorizing? Like while you're driving? Or like... if you're, you can memorize while driving. Driving is not a distraction. We're not doing, <laughs> driving is on autopilot. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's like walking, right? Yeah, it's like walking. Yeah. Um. What else we got, Ryan? Sheikh, if one madhab differs from, say, three other madhab, must one then not go with what the three madhab? So if if one differs with the other three, do we follow the one, or do, is, do we have to follow the No, no, it's not a vote like that. If the, if there's three madhab saying one thing and one other madhab saying another thing, do you have to follow the three? Of course not. Not at all. You have no, some, it's not probabilistic. It's not a probabilistic thing. It's based upon their methodology. Yeah. You have something to say? Yes. Yes. So, um, if it's permissible to um, carry a weapon in the state, are you allowed to bring to the, the massager, like concealed, obviously? <laughs> okay, he's saying if it's permissible to, to have a weapon and carry a weapon in a certain state, if it's legal, I should say, not permissible, just to, the terminology. Can you carry that weapon in the mosque? Yes, you may. If the mosque doesn't have a rule against it, right? Of course, if you're going to have East Coast, West Coast mosque, they will have rules against that. But if it's concealed, how will they know, right? The tahrim of weapons is pointing it at somebody. People came to the mosque of the Prophet with weapons all the time. 
But if it's concealed, how will they know anyway? So it's a moot point. They're not allowed to search you. Uh, in Philly, you go to the masjid, everyone's strapped. Everyone's strapped. <laughs> Illegally. Yeah. <laughs> in um, Philly. My sister, she works at the public defender's office. Yeah. And she says like 90 to 100% of the people in Philly have the weapon. Yeah. And the government doesn't really care. Like the Philly government, they can't do anything. Yeah. It's just so... It's so, so prevalent, they can't do anything. Uh, my friend was driving in Philly. He had a client or something. And he's driving in Philly. He's got a nice car. And my friend had a kufi on. And he's Pakistani. So he looks in the rear view, in the side view mirror and he sees at a red light, he sees a guy walking up to him really suspicious in the middle of the day. Right. And then the guy comes up to the window and my friend is startled. But the guy says, oh, you're a Muslim. Okay. It's about to jack you. Go on. Right? <laughs> uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay. Next we got Adizman. He asks again, how, what, how do we make dua? The best way for it to be responsive. Make much salah on the Prophet ﷺ before, during, and after your prayer. Be thankful to Allah. Have absolute faith that you are talking to the king. There is absolutely no limit on the king. Don't say, oh, but I can't because I have my kids. Oh, but it's not going to work out because I have my family. Oh, it's not going to work out because there's no time in the day. Remove these limits because you are putting that limit on Allah. It is a lack of faith. And his lack of adab to put your limits on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah wanted to make anything out of you, he can. Right? He can do that. Because your existence is a greater miracle than anything that you would ask about. Okay? Your existence is the, the base. Right? That's the base. He already gave you that. Everything that he adds on to you is extra. Okay? So do not say, oh, it's not possible. You're, are you saying that Allah's power is weak or limited? So you cannot have those limits. And that's why people, have, they have these limits. So they just put a ceiling over their head. Then they get depressed. Allah has come to free us from these shackles. Next question is by Safa or Safa, depending if she's Arab, Egyptian, or Desi. <laughs> is the time before Maghrib a time of ijabah every day or only on Friday? Mainly it's on Friday. Mainly it's on Friday. But the daily time of ijabah is after, at the end of every obligatory prayer, which is before or after salam. It's unknown, so we do both. And it's in the last third of the night. A window of time opens up for the answering of prayers. That's the daily. Does making the same du'a a lot make the du'a more likely to happen? 1,000%. Allah loves those who persist on the du'a. And the fact that you keep saying something, oftentimes me and Allah wants it for you. Many, 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 many scholars have said that. The fact that you keep praying for something is Allah telling you he wants to give it to you. And that's why if you give up, that's the sign he doesn't want to give it to you. If you stop praying for it, that is a sign he doesn't want to give it to you. Anymore. So don't stop praying for it. Do not make it And Allah does not get bored the way we get bored, right? I could ask someone for help. Hey, well, you think this is going to happen? One or two times will be encouraging, right? Yeah, yeah, we could do it. You can do this. I'll help you out. But on the fifth, sixth time, he said, man, you're like obsessed. You have issues. Okay? <laughs> but Allah does not do this to the ibad. That's the difference between Allah and humans. The human will say, listen, you, you, you want this too much. You have issues that are unresolved, maybe from your childhood. <laughs> and you need to stop. Okay? With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are told... The ibad of Allah, they get sick of you, and Allah never gets sick of you. 
right? That's the beauty of it. And Allah, there's not a hadith, but it's a statement all scholars, they consider it is true. Allah loves the one who does not stop in the dua. And Allah does not bo get bored until you get bored. Get bored meaning dismiss your prayer. He does not dismiss your prayers unless you yourself are just saying it, you're bored of it and you're just saying it. No, if it's in your heart, that's a sign that maybe that's a sign Allah wants to give it to you. He keeps putting in your heart. There's a saying from one of the early um, Salaf. Okay. Um, he says that uh, so hard for me to switch from to the Arabic here. Um, if you did not want, oh Allah, if you didn't want this for me, you wouldn't have inspired me to keep going with this dua. Isn't that a beautiful saying? If you had, if you did not want me to have what I want, you wouldn't. You would not have inspired me to ask for it. Now you make dua for something for like a year, two years, three years, four years. That's a that takes a lot of work, heart work, belief, desire, commitment. Where did that come from? It came from Allah Taala because He wants you to have it. And and anyway. If you have a goal and a desire, like I, I pro you have two options now. You give up, cry, and be depressed, or just keep making dua for it and imagining and pretending it's a true, right? Even from that standpoint, if you just look at it from that worldly standpoint, I'd rather not be depressed and realistic. I'd rather still stay, stay hopeful. I'll die hopeful, right? Because the state of hope and the state of desire is a better state than giving up. Giving up is not a maqam. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great saying. Raja, desire, and prayer is a maqam. If I'm making dua and I want something, that's a maqam. Either I'm going to get it or something better or Allah gives it to me on the afterlife. Like something greater in the afterlife. So I'm getting, it's a maqam. It's an act of worship. Giving up and being depressed and realistic, it's not a maqam. There's nothing praiseworthy about that. And that's why it feels miserable. So good job for Adizman99. Sounds like he's a Turk for asking <laughs> that question and getting us on this topic. Idris says, in the Hanavi school, what are the rulings around organ and blood donation? Uh, we have to get the Hanafi, resident Hanafi, answer that. I can't answer that for you. There's literally a resident Hanafi. We have. <laughs> uh, how does one make toba, says Mora Blanco. For one of the major sins, slash kabair, if you have a major sin, you 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 get forgiven by, uh, get forgiven by intending that I did this sin and I ask Allah forgiveness. Kabair is worse. Kabair, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, major sin slash kabair. I was thinking mubiqats. The mubiqats are seven, and they require life-altering tawbah and hajj or hajj, if you can make hajj. That's the mubiqats. Like doing black magic, murder, those these are mubiqats, fleeing from the battlefield, accusing a chaste woman, eating riba, okay, uh, committing an act of shirk. Yes, a Muslim can commit an act of shirk. For example, let's say he is, you know, with some Hindu friends and they say, let's do some shirk, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, I don't, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to say no. So he might have done some shirk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you don't really like samosas, yeah. like, oh, let's eat some of the samosas. Like, oh, oh, I okay. guess so. Your mom made them. <laughs> yeah. There's that movie, 
me or something where there was some kid in the, in the show. Yeah. He, there's like Christians around him. Yeah. And he like he gets peer pressure into becoming Christian. And then the show his dad <laughs> oh. died. Yeah. You see they're praying by the sunset. Yeah. He becomes Muslim against Subhanallah. See, there's a show there. The peer pressure to become a Christian, right? Peer pressure to do something of a shirky nature, right? Uh, and that's going to increase, by the way. Wallahi, it's going to increase. In our day and age, you're going to have a Muslim kid, he's in college, and then someone starts with the gemstones, right? Horoscopes. Horoscopes, so right? Horoscopes, gems, stones, magic thinking, all this nonsense, which is eventually, one day, it's going to be a straight-up shirk. Like, now you're flir flirting with shirk, right? You're flirting with it. Then one day, it's going to be real shirk. It's going to be some statue, some prayer, some affirmation to state to the statue. Nonsense, right? Absolute other nonsense that people are, are falling into. So these are the mubiqats. That requires life-altering tawbah and hajj. Seven, the Christians call them deadly sins. We call them mubiqat. They stay. They stay in your heart badly, and they stay on your record for a long time. But the kaba'ir are a lot more, and the, the difference between a major sin and a minor sin, a major sin requires you to intend the repentance for it. That's it, okay? But the sign that you're actually uh, forgiven for something is that you persist in the toba. You've remembered to make toba and you persist upon the toba. okay? That's one of the signs of forgiveness. Um, am I sinful to listen to the Diobandis and are they from Ahl-Sunnah? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are from Ahl-Sunnah. They have done an amazing job preserving the hibs of Quran, preserving many sha'air of the deen, okay? They preserve the Hanafi Madhab in many ways. Okay, so there's some this, those discussions that we've had, and they get they get upset every time I bring it up. I never blamed their scholar for saying anything. I never re I didn't research. I don't care to research it. But I said if their scholar anyone would say Diobandi or otherwise X Y and Z, this would have been the Ashari or Maliki ruling on it. That's all I said. They got upset with me about that. And some of them, by the way, not all of them. Other ones said, Yeah, we understand what you mean. We're against that stuff too. That's actually the majority, right? And uh, they say, yeah, yeah, we're, we're against that stuff too. So what's the issue? So there um, have, we, it would be a lie and a disservice and dishonest not to uphold and be honest about what they have preserved for the ummah. Show me who else has competed against them. In the West, of Hibz al-Quran, of keeping an Islamic identity, okay? Even the form of an Islamic identity. Show me who's kept it up. It's right. better with me. Huh? Who's doing better with me? Who's better does with, with me? Who better does better in separating between men and women? Yeah. Okay. Um, we believe in that. I'm proud that that's our belief. I love that. Right. I love that. I don't feel it's 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 not against women at all. Why would women want to be with me? Right. Yeah. Why would they want to be with guys? They're happy. I, I'm telling you, I had a holocaust one time in Soas, England, and there was some guy. This room was so small. And we had the, the, the musala was packed and it was very mingly. It was too close. So then we said, well, the only solution is to ha rent the second room and then put a speaker. Mm. Okay. Everyone said, oh, this is the worst thing ever. This is, we're going back into the dark ages, blah, blah, blah. It's so as though. <laughs> so as, right? We did it. Our attendance shot up through the roof. Reason uh, being, the guys loved hanging out with guys. Yeah. And the women were like, this is like a hangout for the women, right? We could just yeah. be ourselves. So I love it. I know that tons of women love it too. The only time when they don't like it, which is, makes sense, is when their part of the message is some junk, right? It's some junky place with roaches and the not updated and the lighting is terrible and everything's terrible, right? They don't... They, 
So next question. Let's go to Ryan. Um, for the Wednesday Ijab, uh, is do we have to make dua from the beginning of the Lord all the way to the end? Or is it one moment? The Wednesday Ijabat Dawah between and Dua between Dhuhr and Asr of Maghrib, as we said, in all these, whenever the Prophet gives that space of time, there is a window in that space of time which will change every week. The window. It opens up. What is the window? Is it 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Allah Alam. The length is up to Allah and the timing is up to Allah. Decided by Allah. So if you were to do all the whole time from Wednesday. Dhuhr to Asr, which in the winter is easy. It's like two hours and a half. Okay. Summertime, it's a lot longer. But if you were to do the whole window, you will certainly get it. Likewise, if you were to do the whole last third of the night, of any night, you would get it. Likewise, if you did the entire night in Ramadan, last 10 nights, very likely you're going to have Laylatul Qadr in the last 10 nights. Because it's not have to be in the last 10 nights. It's likely in the last 10 nights. It could technically Laylatul Qadr can be any night of Ramadan, but most likely the Prophet said, We hope to find it in the last 10 and we hope the odd nights. So let's say the whole last 10, because sometimes you may have a difference uh, of when you started Ramadan from somebody else. So your odd night is maybe an even night, blah, blah, blah. So let's just say the whole last 10 nights. You should take off the last 10 nights from work, right? That's when you should take your vacations because it's valuable, right? Uh, you can't miss that and do the whole night of Ramadan right from Maghrib all the way to Fajr after repenting should one make up for the Salah that he has been neglecting for years you must not after before or after yes but he's saying in general when a person comes back into the deen again yes you must make up all your missed prayers Brian you're up in from question from Ms. Wisdom Ms. Wisdom, Allah uh, is confident, I guess. We should be asking her questions. Yeah, we should be. Regarding mm. attending invitations where music is played, washroom has limited facilities for wudu, no prayer facilities available, women are dressed up, including makeup, and a lot of the prayers are missed. No, no. That's a long list. No, no, no. <laughs> so she's going to a gathering, a dinner gathering. Now, this is, this is very normal. Like, let's say you have, like, a cultural group. I'm not going to say what culture. All cultures have this. Egyptians have this. Syrians have this. Daisies have this. But they're not religious, but they're family-oriented, mm -hmm. right? And they're community-oriented. So they have these gatherings, and there could be all sorts of munkar. Munkar are things that are haram, right? So do you go to these gatherings? And the, and the answer is it depends how old you are. If you're like 11-year-old with your mom, do you have a choice? If you are, for example, um, an adult, like you're 16, 17, you still may not have a choice, but you can go outside, right? You could step out a little bit from the munkar. You could go in a room where there's lower in the gaze. You could, if you're older than that, then you have no excuse. You have no excuse. You want someone to pull your dean down? Go hang out with people who don't respect, okay, uh, health and diet, and they eat all sorts of junk, and then don't say that I want to be physically fit. You're hanging out with people who are against what you believe, say you want to have. I want to be successful. I want to be rich. Okay, so let's hang out with people who are unemployed and just watch sports all day long. You're contradicting everything you say you want by who you hang out with. So if you want Dean and purify your heart and you want your du'a to be answered like some of these people are asking, 
Why would you hang out with someone disobeying Allah? There's only one power. Why would you hang out with him in disobedience yeah. with those types who are disobeying him? So who, what you want to be is all about who you hang out with. Who do you choose to hang out with? Right. I choose to hang out with fitness, you know, conscious people. You'll be fit, fit. You'll be physically fit someday yourself just by hearing what they say, absorb, absorb, absorbing their beliefs, their values, their loves. You want to hang out with people who do all sorts of munkar? Listen, may Allah forgive them. They might be wonderful people, but they're just not on the same wavelength of the deen that you want to be in, right? So thank you for the invitation. You're a great guy. I'm on a different, I'm in a different headspace right now, right? That's what they all say, right? Oh, I'm, I'm just in a different space right now. So it's a related question. Yes. That, uh, I think has an unpopular answer. And I think related cue. Okay. Yeah, what is it? I think you're the guy to give the unpopular Let's answer. Hear. Um, so a lot of these types of events, they're weddings. Weddings. Yeah. All the weddings are like 99% like munkas happening yeah. in them. Yeah. But sometimes it's not the things that are happening in the wedding, but the what the marriage itself that's haram. The marriage itself is haram? Yeah. And you can't go. It's not a marriage then. It's a union of sorts. It's not a marriage. Yeah. Like for example, you're saying that let's say Muslim women and Hindu men. It's not a marriage yeah. in Islam. Muslim or, men and Hindu women, right? It's not a marriage in Islam. It's they're unifying in some way that is in a we in our religion, we don't make up the laws in our religion, by the way. We just follow them, right? The dean does not consider that a marriage, period. Okay. Yeah. We can't so, we can't update that for focus. We're not allowed to ideals. celebrate something that Allah forbade. Sins inside of a halal celebration, a walima marriage, a, a wedding is a halal celebration, but they're doing it sinfully. So you don't attend the part that has the sinfulness in it. But the celebration overall is halal. It's actually mandub. Unless there's wastage of money and unless there is like we're isolating the poor, then that's part of it is haram. Right? What about two non-Muslims getting married though? We recognize the Sharia recognizes the marriages outside of Islam. For example, a regular Christian heterosexual. <laughs> yeah, heterosexual Christian man and woman. Okay. That's a recognized marriage. So that when they become Muslim, their kids are not kids out of wedlock. They're they are married. Right, they're in. They can still live together, but they just have to make up what part of the marriage contract was missing, if any. Let's say there was no dowry. You got to give a dowry, right? Let's say there's part of the marriage contract that is forbidden in Islam, right? Then they would nullify that. But they're they are married. Hindus too, like a Hindu man, husband and wife, married in the Hindu religion, came into Islam, became Muslim. We would simply say, just update the contract, make sure that that's valid. That's it. Fulfill any missing conditions and erase any forbidden uh, clauses that are invalid. That's it. But they were considered marriage. So the Quraysh were pagan anyway. Oh, the yeah. Quraysh were pagan and they entered Islam. What about right? the atheists? atheists? Atheist couple gets married. Atheist couple gets married? Why would they get married? Yeah, right. right? That's, that's, that's the real question. <laughs> right? Like, what are Why the would you get married? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, where did you get this concept of marriage from? Right? If it without any revealed scripture, why would you have some kind of agreement of, of that sort at all? There's no reason for it. So YQWBN says, isn't it a considered a fobila to carry a knife in the Maliki method? I don't remember that, to be honest with you. I didn't know you also called that, that much Maliki Psycho uh -huh. <laughs> 95, my colleague left Islam due to the striking of women being condoned. On arriving in Canada from Iran, any guidance of this? Well, it's from Iran. So, um, where is it condoned? 
you're striking a woman in a matter when is when is it ever condoned? Like you, you have something to say? Yeah, like, it's just so much culture. I have, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, yeah. The local okay, here's an Iranian. We actually have one. <laughs> right? He's a Sunni, Iranian. Yes. Like the local mullah. The local well, mullahs say you, what? You have this in subcontinent as well. Like local mullahs will tell you, like. Go hit your wife? I mean, depending on where you're from, like, but yeah, you. Let you me tell you this. In the Madiki Madhab, when I studied this mas'ala with Sheikh Rami about divorce, when is when it, when can a judge or even an imam separate a husband from a wife from a husband? Like we, I'm divorcing you two, like a judge or an imam or a council of imams. He says, if there is harm, what is the least of harm that is for uh, a reason for a divorce? That if she talks to him and he gives her the cold shoulder, and he doesn't talk to her. So if that's something that's a valid reason for a divorce, then this issue is also a valid reason for a divorce. Tatliq, which means a judge will separate the two. And secondly, what is the sunnah of the messenger, peace be upon him? Did the prophet do this, right? Was this a practice of Abu Bakr and Omar and Uthman and Ali, of the great Sahaba? But what Allah says is, nushuz, nushuz, then you physically may restrain her. Yes, it is allowed. For example, you come in and your wife is on a cam with somebody, right? Uh, and you're like, oh, you're home early, right? <laughs> you may physically restrain and end this situation. <laughs> or you may physically do that. You may take the person and just stop them from that. You're allowed to do that in Islam. Firstly, exactly the story of a lot of men these days. I, think. I mean, that's an example. I think what they're, they might be asking about in the, in certain they say the, the ayah that, that says, Wadribuhan. Yeah. The yeah. academics call it 434. <laughs> <laughs> they do that, right? They know it so well. They know it so well, right? <laughs> uh, you, we don't take any ayah of Quran without the look of uh, looking at how the, the messenger, peace be upon, imply this, yeah. right? So yes, if there is nushuz, if you have someone who's doing drugs, if you have someone who is committing zina, then yes, you and the man in this household, in this relationship, may physically alter this situation. Okay, whether it's your daughter, your son, your wife, your mom. If your mom lives with you, okay, and she is drinking, you may physically take these bottles. You have to, not may, and empty them all out. Right? Physically, you're doing this. Yes. There'll be a time when men will physically have to restrain. Yeah, at the end of the time, they'll have to lock the doors because they will be attracted to the Dajjal. Yeah. So, uh, Ryan, what do you have to say? This is a new question. We're ready? Yep. Okay, when you understand how the current money system works, what should I do Islamically? Sell my second house or rent it since it will cover both mortgages? The kids won't be able to buy in the future. They're asking their intention is to protect themselves from inflation and protect the family's wealth wait so what kind of mortgage does he have like an islamic mortgage he should refi to an islamic mortgage that's the answer to your question let's say you got a mortgage that's not halal from the bank refinance it with guidance or uif right let the the the, the con that contract has many muftis and shu signed off on it we accept that and go do it refinance and then refinance both of them and rent out the one and don't say my kids can't why did you say that does he know the al ghaib did he say that my kids can't buy it or something no i think they, they said that they didn't want to or something 
What did he say? My kids want to do he what? He said kids won't be able to buy in future. Wait, kids won't be able to buy in the future. Why? You know the future? You're, you know there's some of the richest people came rich during the Great Depression? That's X that out of your thinking. My kids won't be able to buy. If they don't, it's because you planted that in your head. You're going to behave accordingly, right? So don't say that. They could be richer than you. Who knows? You don't know. You know, some of the richest people during depressions, comedians, right? Because people need to unwind themselves, right? And so they get paid a lot. So um, anyway, which Tezkiah text would you recommend taking from to develop young children? The Ghazali series looks pretty good by uh, Fons Vitae. Yeah, Ghazali yeah. for children. Fons Vitae. My, my, my wife has actually contributed to that. Yeah. Question, shoot. Why don't you come sit here, actually, so you can be in the mic? You're not on the camera. Oh, okay. You're on the camera. <laughs> Why don't you want to be on the camera? You don't want to get married? Okay. Go ahead. So back from the It's because he missed class. He didn't hear. Uh, he, he missed class yesterday. He was saying, if you don't want to get married, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Oh, it's three oh nine. I got a doctor's appointment in ten minutes. I gotta go. Talk about the last question. Yeah. Yes. So in the olden days, um, you know, like during jihad, jihad days, um, compliments. Concubines, right? yeah. So, you know, we, we had concubines. Yeah. So I have a question now. If you're, yeah. If you're, he doesn't want to get married, but he's asking about concubines. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the concubine, if she, of course, you have a concubine for the reason of her being concubine, right? Okay. So if she, if she, says, if she says no, like she doesn't want to, you know, engage in intercourse yeah. or whatever, you know, what's going on? When, when uh, your concubine says no to you, then you can bring up that question and we'll talk to her. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't take theoretical questions. Is it haram to visit ancient Egyptian temples and tombs if it's with Talvim? Wow, amazing, right? Uh, amazing pagan temple. Then no, but if it's for... If it's for contemplation, look, look how amazing, look how great this was, but look what Allah did with them. Then that's okay. Or like Hilaj, if you go to the Dead Sea, then, you know, because there's benefit. Did they say that? No, I don't want those Qomlut's uh, uh, remains on my skin. The Dead Sea? <laughs> yeah. Did the scholars say that? Yeah. For Hilaj. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to put because the remains of Qomlut's on our skin and on our face. I mean, it was, yeah, I guess so, but at the same time, um, like uh, the scholars of Jordan, that's they say that okay because they live so close by yeah so so the scholars of jordan have permitted the use of the dead sea salt uh the salty basically because uh, even before Khomeini, it was always known to be a place just because of the salt and the minerals oh really yeah the I didn't mud know that. from the okay. dead sea is just known to it has some health benefits i didn't realize that the mud from the health sea has uh, dead sea has health benefits <laughs> and you see the israelis selling the stuff in the stores in right. the malls all the time in these little stands the dead sea yeah um, is the book of illumination by Al Iskandar? Book of illumination. Uh, which one is that? Um, I have to read that actually. No, I'm only a, 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 accustomed to his hikam. I only read his hikam, but I have to read the other one. All right, vanilla extract. Yeah, it's halal. You can use that. Is bovine gelatin permissible? Cow gelatin, basically. Um, Um, Adizman, please make dua for us about the cow gelatin. Um, well, the extraction. I have to ask about the extraction. When, when, or how the extraction is done? Okay. We are not allowed to pray for the impossible. Okay. Yes, there are things that are impossible in Sharia, 
such as becoming a prophet or things that are impossible in um uh that are impossible in ada such as i want to be able to not breathe ever right and things that are just silly it's a it's a mockery of the deen we're not allowed to ask for those that's correct but you can ask for my, can I ask for my qareen to become Muslim? Yes, you may uh, make that dua. But you can make dua for something that you think in your world is very far off and difficult. You may ask for that. Okay. All right. Unfortunately, got a doctor's appointment. Got to go. I love these live streams, and I would have continued uh, before uh, or the rest of it. But uh, Cozy Chloe says, but the Islamic thing doesn't say restraint. It says hitting. Yes, it does say hitting, right? It does say that. It doesn't say restraint. What are your thoughts on the opinions of Ibn Qayyim that hellfire is not lasting forever? That is incorrect. It is lasting forever. Okay. Um, best spiritual practice to eliminate doubt? Dhikr la ilaha illallah nonstop all day. Mm. You read from a treatise by Sheikh Dr. Taha Ahmad Rayyan. Is it fair to say the practice was endorsed by the official Azhar position before Dr. Rayyan? No, the, what I read from was not from Dr. Rayyan about Nisf al-Shaban. It was from Sheikh Saleh al-Jafari. And yes, the Azhari scholars did accept it. I'll throw, so, throw some light on. Inshallah, we will do that. Inshallah, unfortunately, medical appointment. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shadun la ilaha illa anta. نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا من الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته